0: Hello, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to the Pursuing Progress podcast, where we have honest conversations to help us fall forward. And today we are off to episode 87, where we're hopefully going to finish off um, our series in the 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. Um, and we'll be going through Rules 10, 11, and 12. And just kind of a little thing of excitement for me when I posted my story that kind of attacked, <laughs> tagged him in it. Um, Dale was able to see that he saw my Instagram story, so I'm cheering, but, you know, um, you know, take those little wins. Anyway, hopefully I can do him a bit of justice with, um, yeah, the last three rules of, of his first, not his first book, but 12 Rules for Life. All right, so let's just jump straight into it. hope you've been enjoying this, this series and uh, learning lots, because I think reading like reading this book again and kind of going through and processing these rules. I think, yeah, they do kind of like solidify a lot of, um, yeah, these concepts that are really helpful to navigate life with, which has been, which has been fantastic. Um, and hope you feel the same way. <laughs> All right. So number 10 is be precise in your speech. Um, and so this is overall in, in summary, in terms of, I think just confronting the truth and being specific about um the issues that you're going through and um yeah to kind of define the problem so you can address it you know in relationships and in family and um people that you interact with and so so the book the chapter kind of starts off you know talking about like you know perceptions of you know how we see the world we see the world in a whole bunch of different ways ways that are kind of suitable for us and how we like embody certain worlds um, for our convenience and our purposes. And so, you know, we, I think when we're so in like enveloped in, in our like sports team or or whatnot, like you just don't care about anything else. You just care about you know, how your side's playing and, and whatnot. And you don't really care about what the opponent's doing. Like you celebrate when your team does well and you kind of boo the other team when they, they do well. And so, it really, it really kind of like changes your world and you don't really see the world as it is. Um, and so, you know, same thing with, you know, driving a car, you're not, you don't really see yourself as, you know, maneuvering this kind of heavy object, heavy machinery. Um, like a, a little thing is like when you've had a vaccine or you've had like medication that's quite sedative, when, when it tells you that you shouldn't operate heavy machinery, like for some reason you think like, a uh, forklift or like a crane or something, but it's talking about a car, um, and and so like I didn't learn that till like only a few years ago, but um but anyway, and so you don't know, really just see yourself. You kind of embody the car as you move around, and people who cut you off, you're like, what are you doing to me? Um, and so yeah, there's all these ways where your world is kind of changes and. Um, and so it's going to be different from other people and how they view the world. And so when you, when it comes to kind of communication and solving conflict and, um, trying to resolve that, uh, I think it's important to be precise. Um, I think the overall kind of title is really fitting of being precise with how you see things and what you think the problem is. And so, so that you can be on the same page as, as the other person. Um, and so Yeah, Um, and then like it it, Like he talks about how it has this kind of hormonal effect And physiological effect as well Because, you know, when your team does well um, It actually can boost your like testosterone levels And and kind of, yeah, evoke a physiological kind of response um, When things are going great for your sports team Which, you know, you're not playing on the field (laughs) Anyway Um, But you know, I think it's all good, but it, yeah, with the nature of the world, there's so much conflict, and things will break down. Like your car will break down, your sports team will lose horribly. Like, like my team, the West Tigers, we. Anyway, less said about that the better. And so, all the things that we ignore or things that we kind of sweep under the carpet just kind of gets exposed and gets kind of catches up to us. Um, and so, this happens in. for cars, like you didn't realize the engine needed a new oil and and things like that. And you kind of ignore that kind of red engine light. It's like, ah, it's fine. And then your car breaks down and, um, maybe you're in a relationship with someone and they, you know, start acting differently and, and do something outrageous. And it just kind of throws in, throws it into chaos of like who you, you know, thought you knew like that whole reality that you've created about that person just kind of is shattered and, um, you know, happened and, you know, what I did in previous relationship and, um, and yeah, like it, it is a devastating time. And so it is really important to, yeah, address issues as, as they come and not have it be swept under the carpet. Um, and so there's this kind of anecdote, um, that the book shares about, um, a little boy who saw, who sees like this little dragon on his, um, on his bedside, it's kind of kind of small and insignificant. Um and then but his mum comes in and says, you know, like what are you talking about? Like there's no such thing as a dragon, dragons don't exist. And and then over time, as she you know, goes about a day, about a week, um the the dragon kind of um gets bigger and bigger and starts to become more of an inconvenience. Um because, you know, because the because the mom's so in denial of the existence of dragons Like she kind of vacuums around the dragon And pretends not to see it um, Until, you know, the house is kind of <laughs> Stolen away by the dragon And it's still then um, You know, she notices Oh, you know, the house is gone um, And then It was then that the dragon kind of returns back to You know, that really original Small size And uh, like the moral of the story is just like Hey, like maybe it just needed to be noticed And, and yeah, like that, yeah, I think there's so many situations where people just kind of avoid that confrontational conversation or, um, or just kind of avoid that conflict and that kind of resentment kind of builds. And then it's just going to spill out into something disastrous, like (laughs) similar to a house kind of being flown away. But, um, yeah, usually quite messy consequences from that. Um, and so, yeah, but, but but it is hard. Like, I understand that I've been in those positions where, you know, if you do come clean and be honest about how you're feeling about what someone has done, it, it brings up brings up kind of uncomfortable emotions to kind of talk with. Um, so loneliness, terror, resentment, jealousy, frustration. These aren't easy words to hear when, when that kind of emotion's in the background, um, but it it needs to be said for, you know, the longevity and for the health of your relationship and um and for me let that the hard way and and this kind of consolidates the lesson as well and so um and so yeah there's a point of like don't underestimate the sins of omission so things you kind of know are wrong but just don't really confront or do anything about it or just kind of let it slide um i think there's (laughs) there's kind of devastation wedding at the end of it and uh, you'll never know when it kind of pops up um, and so yeah so it's important in any sort of relationship and I guess I don't know me and my demographic in in the 20s I mean, you want to talk about like romantic relationships and um, you know you want to have that level of communication I'm sure all couples would kind of say that communication is key um, so you're on the same page, same team all all the time. Um, you know, there's three different kind of ways of communication: whether being a slave, um, a tyrant, or negotiation. And so, you know, being a slave is being that doormat and um, you know surrendering everything and kind of sacrificing yourself to make sure the other person's okay. And I was in that category um, back then. Um, there's a tyrant who wants everything done for them and um, you know, everything's done to kind of please them and so, you know, being a like, it sounds like a functional relationship but, you know, for, for the slave it's kind of like they build up resentment because they can't say how they really feel and they can't say what's uncomfortable where the tyrant is just kind of like well, I don't need to care for your needs as long as you're serving me and that, well, that will just kind of cr- create um, yeah, just a lot of <laughs> conflict and issues And so the other one, the third one is negotiation. So, you know, bring your cards to the table, talk about it, have it open um, and discuss it from there. Otherwise, things are just going to be filled with kind of maybes like, you know, um, you know, the relationship fell apart, like maybe if I did this better or maybe if I did that better. So it's always kind of like hindsight things and, oh, like, what if I had just done that? This would totally be different. But like, you don't want to get to that place where you're using your maybes and what ifs and buts and um and and so you want to you know live kind of present and deal with the present like issues at present and not kind of sweep it and let the dragon grow um in that kind of sense and so there is such wisdom in specifying the problem being specific and being precise in your your speech as the chapter and and rule uh suggests and um and so, yeah, like, it just takes away the kind of, you know, ambiguity and kind of creates a bit more order in, in terms of the way you think and things like that. And so, like, when you're kept in the dark about certain things, um, you know, it just allows you to kind of create, false, like, false scenarios that are probably more than likely worse than the reality. Um, if I could use a personal example, like, when... Nah, nah, I shouldn't. But yeah, I think your imagined pain is always worse than reality. Um, yeah, so I think the, the metaphor, or the analogy of, you know, you're walking through a forest and you hear rustling behind you, um, and you know, you've through your experience, you've developed this kind of fear of like, you know, a lion or a tiger or whatnot. And um, you know, if you don't turn around and look what it is, um, look at what it is you're going to always imagine that it's going to be a tiger, it's going to be a tiger it's going to be a tiger and it's about to kill me it's about to kill me um, but you know it's only until you turn around and you know maybe more than likely it might just be like a squirrel or a rabbit or something um, but that, like that's not always, always the case but I think the point is um, it's important to yeah confront it and, and turn around and, and look what it is and look what you know what the issue is, and so yeah, so it's not always going to be the case, like maybe it is a line, um, but at, at least you know for sure. Um, and, and so, yes, so yeah, to kind of cap off rule 10 articulate your narrative correctly, be like structure it well, talk to other people, um, don't hide things under the carpet, and um, I think when you're able to articulate it in in words and, and language and logos um, I think you're able to kind of make it a bit more solid objective and thing and you can analyze it a lot kind of um, a lot more effectively um, which is which is what you want and define the problem um, as a good scientist would <laughs> all right so rule 10 done That that went all right all right <laughs> all right number 11 don't bother children when they are skateboarding. Um, I never skateboarded, uh, neither did Jordan Peterson, but um, <laughs> I think <laughs> I never got the enjoyment. Like, I never really understood um, why or how someone could just do something so kind of repetitive. But then I'd go to the gym. <laughs> and so. Um, yeah, it's really slap in the face of, you know, be more empathetic and understand um, what people do and, and don't judge them. <laughs> and so this is the whole thing about, you know, boys skateboarding. It's like, okay, so Rule 11 is going to be talking about, like, men masculinity and, and, you know, feminism and stuff like that. And, and I think this is probably where a lot of the kind of, you know, the, the feminists and... People on the left will kind of like get offended, I suppose, um, by um, by this rule or stuff that Jordan's actually talked about. Um, but I think just to reserve those and kind of think through what it, I think, the logical sequence that that it comes through is is quite important. Um, but see how I go <laughs> with kind of summarising and 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 reflecting on it but uh yeah (laughs) and so yeah so in terms of skateboarding like boys generally have this aggression and this kind of not even boys like just young people um people in their youth are just chasing like adventure or or risk and um you know pushing the limits to kind of find out you know what what's good what gets that adrenaline rush and and kind of feed off that and like even if you put them in a safe environment they, like kids will create ways to make it more make it dangerous again or like you know just wrestle someone or invent a game that involves a bit of physical physicality <laughs> um, and yeah there's many examples you know tip turns to like tackle tip <laughs> um, and, and, and such like But that's just kind of how, how kids are and like you don't want to be that person that kind of breaks up like the kids having their fun or stuff that they're enjoying. And like, (laughs) I know where they can be themselves kind of thing. And so like, yeah, with regards to skateboarding, like the council will put those like metal things on, um, on rails and stuff like underneath rails, because, you know, skateboarders want to like do their grind and (laughs) and stuff on the rails. But I think it just, yeah, like, in terms of that like that does have its pros and cons of like it looks disgusting having little like bits of metal sticking out of a um i don't know like a bench or like whatever um but at the cost of kids being miserable and having their fun taken away um so yeah pros and cons um and so jordan mason likes to quote kyle jung a lot um you know he's just this kind of brilliant really genius. You know, Psychologist, Psychologist? psychiatrist, where he quotes him saying, every act of social propriety was accompanied by its evil twin, its unconscious shadow. And the other one, if you cannot understand why someone did something, look at the consequences and infer the motivation. Yeah, (laughs) kind of like quotes that kind of like needed bit of time to kind of sink in. Um, And... And yeah, like, I think everything we do, um, there's this innate need for like adventure and, and risk and, you know, the dark, the dark side, (laughs) I suppose. Um, and so, yeah, like he then goes on to chat about talking about kind of different character traits of like males and females and, um, about the thing about agreeableness and, and compassion and how, yeah, it's kind of like curves and you Know there's one end that can that's only kind of occupied by females, and the other end um, more occupied by males and, and things like that. Um, yeah, like this is where you know, like it, it's diff- it's probably very difficult to talk about all this gender stuff. Um, in this kind of time where I think you know people believe it to be like kind of fluid and there's no difference, and um, you know, in the Olympics of the you know, the trans women p- competing in the women's, um, you know, Olympic lifting. Um, is yeah, <laughs> it's hard. To, like a, it's hard kind of saying it out loud, um, as well. Um, yeah, like the stuff about like, um, you know, boys innately are competitive and, you know, alpha, they want to wrestle, they want to compete and, and win, um, and get that kind of status. And, Um, you know, and talks about how like boys can only win in a male kind of hierarchy. And like, there's, there shouldn't be a point where, you know, a boy can gloat about winning in a kind of female (laughs) hierarchy and, um, and things like that. Um, and then it talks about like kind of career and marriage, um, out of, yeah, there's been this kind of like decline in terms of, um, the male, kind of priority for marriage and and female priority for marriage, I think from, there's this research from the Pew Research Center from 1997 to 2012, um, where from 28% uh, of women saying that marriage is super important, um, like number one important thing about life, Uh, it's risen to about 37%, and then for men, it's come from 35% to 29%. uh, and so less and you know, less than men are um wanting to, you know, get married, um and all the kind of things that kind of are implied from that. Um and and yeah, so like we know in an established, you know, women <laughs> can bear children and um, they can, you know, start a family with men and things like that. But, you know, in terms of their work and, and careers, like a lot of um you know, women in in careers that demand a lot of hours and a lot of time um, from them like international you know business firms law firms and whatnot will find it tremendously difficult to maintain that because when you're working in this kind of international cooperation like you know, navigating time zones you might have to be, be awake at 2 or 3 a.m and like when you have a baby as well is probably crying at the same time it will be a very difficult thing to to manage so a lot of people in those kind of, um, high end executive positions, like do have to sit down if they want to, um, you know, <laughs> pursue like marriage and, and have a family and, and things like that. Um, and, and yeah. And so I think that's, he then goes on to say like, that's why women are looking to either marry across or marry up. Um, because they, they, you know, when the woman has a child and she's super vulnerable, like all the time needs to be devoted, um, to the child and making sure the child's okay and, and grows well, grows up well and develops well. And so they need a man that's able to provide and support the family and, and, and be a leader, um, in that kind of family unit. Um, and, and so, you know, someone who's competent and can support them. And so the unemployed man is super undesirable. Um and so yeah, let's put me in my place. <laughs> just unemployed at the moment. Like I'm yeah, I'm just doing podcasts for fun. <laughs> That's attractive. Um and, and and yeah. And the alternative of being like a single mum is undesirable well as well because it's super difficult. Um as, yeah, I've got my own <laughs> mum who can probably attest to that as well. Um, uh, having to hold the forward and kind of play different roles and all the stresses that that, that causes. Um, it's definitely not ideal. Um, but, but, you know, people... <laughs> it, it just kind of creates this kind of super character that they're able to manage to do it. Um, to to raise kids, like I'm 27, my sister's 35, eight years older than me. Um, yeah, to, to be able to do that, it just takes this amazing, like, I don't know how they do it. (laughs) Um, just superhero ability, um, I suppose. Um, and, and so, yeah, like it's not an ideal situation and you, quite some like studies about, you know, children who grow up in a fatherless family are four times more likely to be poor (laughs) Um, and two times more likely to commit suicide and increase risk of drug and alcohol abuse and sex abuse as well. Um, And yeah, well, it it resonates a lot. (laughs) And so, so yeah, like (laughs) with, Yeah, so it's, like, with the world about, like, status and and whatnot, like, like, we want um, hierarchies, and and there's so much, like, kind of, I don't know, fish-shaking against, like, the patriarchy and and, and whatnot, but, like, you want, um, like, culture has been archetypally, archetypally, typically male, Um, and so, I don't know, like, in terms of, say, like, work and, and career, like, you want kind of meritocracy, or you want kind of um, a hierarchy in, in, in that sense, because, you you know, when you've got brain cancer, like, you want to find, you know, the greatest, uh, the the best kind of, like, brain surgeon to, to operate um, on you, so that you have the best chance of viable, and you want, um, yeah, for, for whatever profession you want to get the best, so you get the best kind of service, and um, and so you can't really want or strive for like e- equality for, for everyone, for everything. Um, because that just kind of demeans the value of those who, you know, have, are just super confident in their, in their skills. And to say that, you know, the, the work of the brain surgeon is just, um, of same value. Um, as much as you want to like be kind to everyone and, and what they pursue and like to, yeah to another thing that doesn't probably pay as as much um like i'm not going to name any particular thing but um i think there are there is a place for a hierarchy in it in that sense and like it's not too controversial i don't think like you want leaders that that lead um that lead well things like that um so i think he makes a great case like i think talking through a lot of, kind of historical um events with you know with stalin with marxism with all this kind of history stuff that kind of did go over my head but in terms of overall just so like if if you do read the book i think if you know your history well about you know about russia about germany and and you know back back in those days i think it probably ring bro you probably, probably resonated a lot better with that chapter than. um but it's just kind of you know ideas have different consequences and you want to you know try marxism where it's you know this kind of this you know this communist idea or um there's something that's happening in the u.s about like critical race theory about like whites are inherently bad and, and evil and um, there's institutional racism and things like that. I think, um, you just see what's kind of manif- what kind of manifests from, from those kind of, um, those kind of ideas. Um, and so, yeah, I think when you have those ideas, like it's not just based on power, like a power hungry kind of power grab. Um, if it were, then, you know, they would use it more mercilessly. Those in charge would use them more mercil- mercilessly, and so if you can have a society where it's governed by people who are competent, uh, you know, have the ability, have the elite ability, and and the great skill, you know, to be able to lead and to be able to, um, you know, do their job competently. Like, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be amazing? Um, and so, so yeah, and so, um, like it talks about how this just current situation of um you know i know demonizing men and toxic toxic masculinity and all that and um you know like you wanting men to be a bit more like um more feminine more sensitive more compassionate um and to let go of their kind of aggression and things like that and um whether you want to think about you know like primary school, high school, which is probably dominated by, by females. And, um, you know, maybe that's a particular factor of, you know, stopping people, like punishing kind of those aggressive acts or punishing like those innate kind of male behaviors. Um, yeah, like, you know, like, just, I don't know <laughs> It's hard cause I'm so conflicted. Um, cause it's kind of like, Oh, <laughs> what am I saying? Um, but yeah, like trying to change, like someone's like core being like, that's okay. Yeah. We, we know through people talking and sharing their stories that people trying to change who they are at the core is really, you know, demonstrable and really, um, really bad. (laughs) Um, and so it's, it's more of a matter of, you know, teaching them to use it properly. Um, in the right context and use it appropriately because as as kids you're you're still figuring out the world and know where the boundaries are and so i think you know teachers and parents and whoever's involved in the upbringing of the of the kid is to know where the boundaries are and um and where it's appropriate because i think that innate aggressiveness that that males exude um it's it's a driving factor of you know the male competitiveness you know the strive to be alpha and the drive to succeed and to work hard, to be virtuous, and to, you know, do well and what they set their mind to, and it's like, well, you want that in, in a man. That's what women want, as we talked about before, how they want to marry across or up, um, and so, yeah, like, there's this kind of like, I don't know, false, false dichotomy, I guess. Like, you think, yeah, I don't know, people are thinking. The way for men to be Men is to not be men But to be more feminine And to be more um, To lean more towards the feminine tra- traits Rather than Kind of really indulge in, in the masculine Traits um, And so I, like I, I see how people Can just get angry and upset And try to yell him down um, When he gives his talks And all the protests When, when he um, when he Goes to give lectures um, but yeah, I think, um, but yeah, for the people that are super agreeable, um, you know, allow anything to pass, um, those that adopt the kind of slave, you know, means of communication. I think it's important to like, it's not like it's a bad thing or anything, but I think for anything like, um, any kind of category or like I did schema therapy and there's different kind of domains in terms of how you respond to the world and how you've been hurt and and damaged and how you project that into the world and so it's not a sense of like getting rid of it or anything there is acceptance and embracing of that but knowing that you know if you move a little uh, further away from the extreme might be a healthier option um, in terms of coping with the world and and living and navigating in the world. And so if you are someone who's super agreeable, like I think taking notice when resentment emerges and, and like, this was a lesson I, I'm sure. In, in my own relationship of my previous relationship, just like, yeah, I just swallowed a lot of resentment when, yeah, I would just kind of put, you know, put their needs in, in ahead of mine and Um, I, I, you know, just didn't give myself the permission to, to kind of speak about my own thing and that kind of, you know, allowed resentment to build. And, and that, you know, allowed me to, that kind of pushed me to say things that I didn't mean and, and think things that were probably really unhelpful and, and, and you shouldn't get to this place of like, Oh, if they truly love me, like they would know to say this or do that. Um, like no one can read your mind fully and, and that's probably a a false falsified thing that people believe in terms of, um, going through relationships or being so close to someone that you can just, um, yeah, (laughs) do whatever. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it goes on to then talk about, um, how else, you know, boys, men are being kind of affected and, um, talks about different kind of stories um about like hansel and gretel about um the witch who kind of like you know treats the kids like super super well and feeds them and treats them well so that they stay and because out of her loneliness and that cleanliness um they don't want like she doesn't want the kids to to leave them and um and whatnot and yeah see you know how that unfolds um and then he talks about sleeping and beauty and, and and frozen with like Elsa and, um, Aurora and Fro and Elsa (laughs) and Anna. Um, and so I think just kind of in terms of like, um, not mythology, but just kind of culturally and traditionally speaking of, um, they all need all these. So the way that, you know, Disney is, has been able to kind of tell stories that just last throughout the ages is, is because they tell stories that are, um, you know, truth of the human experience and something that we can resonate with like like inside that we probably aren't fully aware of and so um with the movies like Sleeping Beauty and, and Frozen it, it comes to this thing of their need to um get to this place where they achieve kind of consciousness of of um what what is actually going on or consciousness of of the truth I guess um you know and then it needs to be kind of found in the form of a Prince. And so, you know, and then making that link of like, you know, consciousness is kind of this kind of male trait. And it's one of those kind of character traits as well. Um, and so it's not just like male trait, but it's kind of the male trait of like getting clarity, being able to be, being able to reveal the truth and um, and foster that independence um, that they probably didn't have uh, from the start. and when it comes to like Anna or something, uh, where she believed that she you know, loved the prince, but the prince was just like, no, I'm just wanting power. Um, and then it's like that moment of clarity and um, was kind of a turning point because she was so kind of like blindly in love with, <laughs> with the prince, you know, to be engaged within, you know, a matter of a day. Um, and, and for, you know, for Sleeping Beauty, for a prince to, you know, to yeah, to be married to to be kissed to to break the curse and, and things like that. And happens the same with Little Mermaid as well. Um yeah, so like she, you know, being kind of blind to Ursula's tricks, like kind of sells her soul to try and, you know, be with Eric and um and then yeah, she she's unable to do it and then father comes in and kind of trades places with her and, and just comes, becomes this kind of pathetic and um, person, like a shadow of his former self, and um, yeah, like he used to be just this wise king who just ruled greatly and reigned um, well, and then now it just became this kind of like, um, yeah, like all the energy is just out of him. Um, and then, you know, ah, I never really watched A Little Mermaid, but I'm just going off <laughs> what he's written. Um, and so, yeah, (laughs) and so anyway, um, and then Eric kind of harpoons him, and then Errol attacks and Ursula kind of reveals her true form and then they can attack it and, um, you know, live happily ever after. Whatever. (laughs) Read the book. (laughs) Read the book. I'm not doing it justice here. (laughs) I apologize. Um. But yeah, I think it's important for, for all of us, um, all people, men and women to pursue kind of consciousness and, um, and to, um, uh, I think pursue, <laughs> pursue consciousness and push, like, yeah, I think pursue those risks and ad- adventure, especially in our youth to, um, to, yeah, or realize what we are and, um, what we're kind of here for, you know, live dangerously, you know, appropriately um, as well, um, yeah. Because you know, awake and conscious women want awake and conscious men, um, and so yeah, let's just kind of uplift each other to to kind of strive for that kind of um, higher trait, or and so yeah, like just um, allow ourselves to aim up and take risk and. Um, push limits so that we can get to that to that level and so that we are enriching to each other um yeah awesome rule 11 hope that made sense um yeah i'm trying (laughs) i'm trying jennifer all right so last but not least rule number 12 pet a cat when you encounter one on the street um i don't usually do this um on face value um like i go to the gym yeah, and alpha athletes. And on the way from the station to to the gym, there is like one or two cats that is just kind of there, sunbathing and, and things like that. And um, I I just walk by them. Um, I like I look at them, but I just kind of walk by as I want. To. I'd rather go to the gym than spend time petting the cat. But um, but a lot of people kind of walk by and and pet the cat. Um, it's probably a really nice experience for them. But anyway, so. <laughs> the the chapter starts off about like suffering and how life is, life is terrible. And um, he talks about the ordeals that um, Jordan um, talks about the ordeals and the, the struggles with um, his daughter Michaela's um, I don't know, like kind of disease condition um, where it's just, it's just this like crazy story of all these, I don't know things that go wrong and pain and all this kind of um issues that come after another and there just seems to be no end um to it so it started off with you know a pain in the foot and you know suddenly you know it would swell up and her shoes don't fit and um you know she went to a physio and realized that her ankle like it doesn't have any kind of range of motion it was kind of stuck and, and stiff and couldn't walk properly couldn't walk up the stairs um, had to kind of like you know carry herself up the stairs um you know this is like when she was a little kid and so you, you don't expect that from that um, that at that kind of age um, and so went to see some specialists and they said oh maybe it's kind of you know rheumatoid arthritis at you know eight years old and um and it's like oh you have arthritis in 37 joints <laughs> your juvenile idiopathic rheumatoid rheumatoid arthritis uh, jIRA and, and 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 yeah and and so there is this thing that these kind of crippling diseases do happen to a lot of people and people are suffering and like it you do beg the question of like why you know people tend to be like you know why okay? let's say God is real, like, why would he, you know, allow this suffering or why would God create this world where there would be this suffering, um, this kind of a level of suffering for, for people where people can't move and live their lives properly. And, you know, there were points where, you know, Michaela was, you know, taking chemotherapy drugs, um, and taking prednisone and, and that causes all these kind of like nasty side effects. And, uh, she was taking these experimental drugs that you know worked for a bit, and then um, and then, yeah, it, it caused her hip to deteriorate. and then um, and then she needed a hip replacement because some of the bones in the femur had kind of died and were probably like necrotic. Um, and so, yeah, I think there are people who go through these really difficult ordeals and um, you do just yell out like, why, <laughs> why is this happening to me? Um, and that was the question that, you know, she yelled to, um, to her dad. Um, and I think one story that, um, he, he shared, uh, in that moment, um, don't know if it'd be helpful for you, but it was, it was helpful for, for them in that, that instance of. You know, imagine you're someone who's fully omnipotent, um, omniscient, omnipresent, um, like, what is the one thing that you lack? Um, and the one thing that you lack is limitation and, you know, whether that ties into why God needed to create man, um, like human beings, um, cause he, you know, made us in a way that we have limitations. Um, so, you know, having limitations is part of being a human being and being a human being is, um, allows us to have a story to tell, um, and, and to, yeah, so it's a part of human being. It's part of the experience and yeah, like it, it wouldn't be a joyous experience if we were, if we are, if we were God. If we were fully omniscient, fully omnipotent and, and just had everything um, sorted. And and so, you know, it talks about, you know, DC uh, comics and and originally how they wrote Superman. Just like he was just <laughs> invincible and destructive. He would just do anything and not, no enemy would really phase him. Um, so that's how it kind of started. And then I think people um that were tuning in to, to watch or read the comic books and things like that. I think they just got bored um, because the storylines became predictable. It was just kind of boring because you just knew he would triumph in the end. Um, and so I think that's where kind of the rise of Marvel came through of you just had these heroes with ambiguities and limitations and and struggles between good and evil and um, and and because that resonated with... You know human beings and what we know and what we experience and that's why we're so attuned um to those kind of storylines um and and yeah so a part of being is having limitations and um limitations give gives us reasons to strive motivation to do better uh, to improve ourselves to to be different to try different things um and and you know Pursue progress (laughs) and so yeah but i think that's the kind of growth mindset and um and the way that we're we've been created or we've been designed um to strive to be better you know if you want to integrate evolutionary theory like those who survive are the ones that adapt the best the ones that strive the ones that think of solutions in in difficult circumstances um, and, you know, and that's well and good, but there are people who choose to just give up on being, um, just like, oh, things are too tough and let's just all give up. And these, uh, other people you, you think about, uh, that think about suicide or think about genocide or, or destruction of, of other people, because it's just like, well, what's the point anyway? Um, and, and so, so yeah. And so. Thinking is not... Shouldn't be the only thing when, when you're faced with um, these kind of difficult circumstances. Um, I think... Yeah. When you're just stuck with your thoughts, I think it's really difficult um, to to see it clearly. I think it... Um, he goes... Jordan... Jordan. Uh, like first name basis. Um, the author <laughs> talks about... Um, it's not just thinking, but noticing. Um, because you you don't love someone you know despite the limitations uh you love someone because because of them that's who they are um you know um he goes on to talk about like how you know his daughter Michaela would have been ascribed like opiates and ibuprofen and ritalin and and oxycontin which is uh one of the danger most dangerous kind of opiates that cause so many problems in in the u.s with their op- opioid epidemic and um, leads to so many deaths and things like that. Um, and, and yeah, I think all throughout that, it's just in, in this kind of endless and unconditional love for, for her. And, and, um, <laughs> and supposedly the story goes that, you know, she saw a kind of a physical therapist who did some kind of manual manipulations and, um, held her ankle for a bit. And then that kind of slipped back in place. And, um, Oh no, because she had, she had a replacement that kind of wasn't done properly. And then she had a therapist, like kind of hold it in a particular way and then kind of it slid back in and then she couldn't move again, <laughs> which is amazing. And then like, if you search up her YouTube stuff now that like, she's thriving, she's living well. And, you know, she puts it to, um, you know, the carnivore diet, which is pretty interesting, um, in terms of healing kind of like the immune like autoimmune kind of conditions that she had and um she's living well um but yeah but I think the advice that Jordan kind of talks about you know despite all this like kind of heavy stress in terms of caring for their daughter I think it was important for them to manage that well and I'm sure that that's the case for a lot of people with you know loved ones that are struggling with chronic disease or or you know, whether it's like palliative care or they've got intellectual disabilities, you know, finding ways to find some sort of reprieve or or set out time to not talk about it or to to just be able to manage it well and to take care of your your sleep or kind of I you don't know tag team with your spouse and trying to figure out something, um, and so you know, so you hold yourself well. So you don't collapse under the stress or anything and, and the other advice The other kind of tip, I guess um, For you to just um, aim for this Like aim well, aim high, aim well Kind of have that in mind um, And so it's like a call in, in biblical times as well, as well About how Jesus would talk uh, to his disciples About, you know, keeping your eye on, on God's kingdom to come And so it's that eye on like, you know place your end goal and just kind of don't lose, lose faith, um, in the struggle and in the ordeal ordeals that life brings you. Um, and so keep that goal in mind. And so it will help you prioritize a lot of different things. And so you can manage that well. Um, but do what you can persevere. Um, you know, um, so in your life, find that cat and, you know, reach your hand down and, and just kind of take a break from, from life, distract yourself for a bit, um, recharge your batteries um, so that you can kind of handle it um, better. You don't burn out and, and, and crash and do kind of mental and psychological damage to yourself. Um, yeah. Cause you need to kind of look after yourself um, particularly well. Um, so that you can take care of yourself and then take care of other people as well. Awesome. That wraps up rule twelve. You know, pet a cat when you encounter one on the street. Um, yeah, fun ways to manage it. Um, well, that worked for you. Um, we'll all go through these difficult, you know, ordeals and um, you know find people to talk to. <laughs> yeah, the lockdown rules. There's a singles bubble. So if you're single and living alone, like you can have someone um, that. Yeah, you can mutually kind of go back and forth to, to, to talk to and, and things like that. And, um, it's a nice initiative. Um, at least they're, yeah, shows that they're listening to, to the struggles of, of singles who live, you know, on their own and can't talk to people like in an indoor setting. Um, and, and yeah, and so, yeah, it's been a wonderful series, um, to go through the book again. Um, and, and yeah, to, to really point out a lot of, I think, important lessons on how to navigate life. And, and I don't know for me, I I've enjoyed it. I've loved it. Um, yeah, hope you have as well. Uh, yeah, this has been fun as, as I kind of, you know, explore my video presence as well. And, um, and, and yeah, like it's like, I'm saying this is, this is like my last podcast ever, but I think it's just nice to kind of wrap up this series. Like I'll, I'll, still going, I'll talk about some other things and probably review another book book. Uh, who knows? Um, yeah, We'll see, we'll see, see what happens. And, um, I'll, I have a, if you're listening here, like I might have a little announcement about like a new kind of podcast or a blog about kind of, um, health stuff and stuff I actually studied in uni, um, I'd figure you know if I if I'm in like tens of thousands of dollars in debt studying this thing might as well use it to try and make that money back and um or you know provide value or provide a kind of service for other people to you know inform them about all things exercise physiology and and mental health um I think we're good, so if you're here, that's an exclusive <laughs> um yeah here too on youtube um so give <laughs> an eye out for that but thank you once again for listening it's been a 50 minute one um and yeah appreciate each and every one of you uh for listening uh it does brighten up my day and yeah hope you're all keeping happy and healthy and, and safe and yeah be kind and compassionate to one another and um yeah love and peace to you all until next time